Cool. Bonus round. All right, so Chris, let's talk about RPGs. I love RPG. I love role playing games. I got into D and D when I was in college. It was one of the things that like saved me. Like I was going through some really difficult times, but I had some good buddies, and we would get together once or twice a week, and for three to ten hours, <laughs> depending on, you know, we just yeah. play. We just played through this. Uh, D and D campaign. I I love fourth edition. That's what I grew up on. You know, grew up on. That's what I got into. A lot of people hate fourth edition. I you know whatever. But I really enjoyed it. But you know, how do you kind of take some of those RPG elements and put them in the tabletop board game scene? You're going to lose some. You know, some things will never translate. That's just part of it. But what are some things that would really be cool in a tabletop game? Well, I mean, you're seeing kind of that uh, that happen with games like Gloomhaven. Uh, you know, even I'd say any legacy game kind of has RPG elements to it because of the fact that, you know, you're sort of progressing as the game goes on. But the thing that I really wish that tabletop games had uh, is something that I don't even know if it's possible. And it's this idea of character motivations. Mm. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, you might have a game, let's say like Dead of Winter, right? You have a, a hidden a hidden objective and you're motivated to do that thing, right? But in RPGs, the more I've played them over the years, the thing that I think really makes RPG stories stand out and makes RPG characters uh, have depth to them is when they occasionally make choices that aren't the optimal choices. Yeah. Because in an RPG, you're playing your to, to what your character is wanting to do. And you as a player might know that it's a bad idea to pull your sword out, you know, and attack the villain, but your character's a paladin and right. that's what they would do, so you're gonna do it. And I and I don't know how that translates to a board game experience. Uh, you have some of these like narrative games that have narrative kind of choose your own adventure type elements above and below comes to mind uh you know even seafall i think is a legacy game as well but it has those kind of elements but i think that that that's what would sort of transcend that and make a and, and turn in a tabletop game into a game that is more uh in like an rpg to me is this this depth of character and incentive to really create characters that are complex and sometimes you know, like I said, make dumb choices yeah. that that you know you as a player wouldn't make. Uh, I'm actually working on a tabletop adaptation, but really, like it's almost like a a story game slash RPG. It just uses cards, mm -hmm. uh, but it's based on an RPG system called the Drama System, which is an open game license system created um, basically to mimic uh, drama television shows. And the core element of this game is that oh it's designed by robin laws by the way uh but the core element of this game is we have a relationship so let's say you know gabe you and i might be brothers or something right. and our, our father's the king and you know you might want to become king and maybe i just want the respect of the people or something like that so we have this motivation and so when we're playing the game we'll set a scene and i might go to you who you know you want to become king but i want the respect of the people and i and i want to say hey put me in charge. You know, dad just passed away. I want to be king. And I go out to you with a request, okay? And then you as a player get to decide whether or not you give in to my request. The key of the drama system, though, is that if you say, no, you're the younger one, I'm going to be king, that's the bottom line, I get a what's called a drama token. And eventually, if I have enough drama tokens, when I go to make a request from you, I can pay tokens and your character has to give in to what I'm, what I'm asking them. Mm. And the reason that you do that is because when you have dramatic television shows or dramatic books, uh, characters have real relationships. And sometimes you all, you know, you hate what your brother's doing, but at the end of the day, your blood 
And so you're going to have these ties that in traditional role-playing games, it's easy just to you know, draw the line in the sand and put your foot down. But in real relationships, the way they work in real life, there's always other factors to yeah. it. You know, you might be really mad at your neighbor because they always, you know, um, you know, leave trash on their lawn or something like that. But you can't just go and like and fight them because <laughs> your other neighbors will know that, you know, there's always ramifications to that kind of stuff. And so the drama system really tries to highlight that. And so I'm trying to bring that into like a tabletop realm with some cards and, you know, the relationships are kind of uh, are drafted. So there's actually like a drafting mechanic where you know, you're drafting desires and relationships and stuff. Um, but again, like the ultimate experience is like a, is of that game is a storytelling RPG. But with a board game, I think it's so much about the goal of the game. Right. Uh, and so much of the, the gameplay is working against the game to, to beat the goal. Uh, that I think it's very difficult to really bring in those like complex narratives and choices that are suboptimal sometimes. No, you make a great point. Because, I mean, I remember playing, when I was playing D&D, there were times where I would say, okay, I don't want to do this, but my character would. Like, my yep. character would act very irrationally right now, and he would do this stupid thing. And so, you know what? Right. Let's see what happens. And you can do and that. And everyone, everyone else in your group is like, no, please yeah. don't do that. We wouldn't do that either. But your character would do it. So you do. And so you do it. I, I, I was reading, are you, uh, you familiar with Matt Colville? Uh, what have they done? Okay, he he has this really cool YouTube channel. It's got like eighty thousand subscribers at this point. It's like how to be a DM. It's like basic oh, level. Yes. Man, the guy is amazing. I follow him on Twitter. Everybody should follow this guy on Twitter at Matt Colville, C O V I L L E, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was he had this tweet the other day where somebody had sent him a a tweet and they said, "Hey, this is a a, a dungeon master." They said, "Hey, my my lawful good paladin just found out." that this other character was evil and he just went over and killed him. What do I do? And Matt said, there, there's no problem there. That's what that guy would have done. Like, it's like, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. If he's a lawful, good person, character, paladin, no less. And he finds out that, Oh, that that thief is like chaotic evil. Oh yeah. He'd just kill him. That just, that's just what he would do. Next question. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. that is the way, but putting that into a, a tabletop game. Cause like you say, usually there's a goal and you have to act pretty optimally to achieve that goal. You can't just go, well, my character would do this random thing over here because then you'll lose. Like, cause you, there's, there's a, a much bigger like win loss kind of thing going on right. with a hour or two hour tabletop game where you don't really have that in the open world of the RPG setting. And so I guess you kind of like what you're doing with the, the drama tokens, you have to find a way to mechanically incentivize this kind of play and so right. I think that's the, that's the hard part, man, is, is turning these these kind of broad themes into mechanics. And and, and you can and you can do it a little bit if you, uh, the, the way you can do it is a little bit ham fisted, I feel. And it's just you obscure the results of the choices. Yeah. So, like, for example, uh, I don't even know if it's out yet, but I remember a while back they announced at least that they were going to do the Dead of Winter app mm -hmm. and they were going to have the crossroad cards were going to be on the app. And you could actually read them and make your, your choice without seeing what the results were, yeah. right? But the problem is, again, like this, when you when you think of like the uh, you know the mindset that you're in when you're playing a board game, that to me as a board, if I'm sitting down to play a game and I'm trying to win this game, like that would seem not fair. Yeah. Like I would actually be you know a little bit taken aback by like, oh well. You know, why would they let me do that if like if it was just going to like lose me three gold and I didn't get anything out of it or right. something like that? You feel that. like you were cheated by the game. Um, so I think that it's important to um, 
just be mindful of that, that people are going to be in a different frame of mind. So, yeah, I think that going going into sitting down to play a board game, when you're in that frame of mind where you're trying to be competitive and trying to win something, I think that it would come off as really unfair for a game to obfuscate, you know, the outcome of a decision and then like, oh, just because I picked, you know, save this, you know, orc orphan, I lose three gold or like I'm robbed or something like that. Like, so you have to be careful with that. And it's really about setting the expectations. When you sit down to play a role playing game, you expect and I and I would think that everyone at the table would expect players to behave like their characters would behave. Right. That's not true. They don't expect their players to behave like the characters, but they expect the characters to behave like the characters there would you behave. Go. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want like the barbarian player to also act like a barbarian at the table <laughs> while we're role playing. That'd be weird. Right. Um, but you know, that's what you kind of set up, right? And when you sit down to play a board game, even if it's a cooperative one, you know, you expect it to be fair, balanced, you know, systems driven. You expect to be able to make choices to solve the problem. And in in narrative situations, sometimes that's not possible, right? Yeah. An RPG can throw you up against a a dragon who's you know 15 levels higher than you, knowing that you have the option to bargain with it for your you know and and get away. Yeah. And a board game that wouldn't wouldn't put a dragon on the table and then expect you to run away. Like if a dragon's on the table, they want you to fight that dragon. Yeah. Nine times out of ten. So, I I think that's it's just kind of that mindset now. Luckily, I play role-playing games, so I can get that from my role-playing games when I want to, you know, to play deep, complex characters. But it would be really cool, and I would pay this person a lot of money if they could come up with a board game that could sort of mimic the depth of choices and depth of characters that RPGs can can present. Yeah, and I feel like you know, there are games like Tales of Arabian Nights. They give you 11 different options and choices but ultimately it's all kind of random. Like, you know, even if you have all these choices and all these different charts, you can refer to and all this stuff to have this just plethora of options in a, during an encounter in that game, it's just super random. And you just feel like the game is playing you more than you're playing the game. You know, whereas in a, a real life scenario, me as a player talking to you as a game master, I can say, okay, I want to talk to the dragon about this and see what he, see what he does. Like you can just kind of be super creative in how you, uh, run against, run up against encounters, and what you do, and your response, and all these things. And in a board game, that the mechanic has to exist to be able to do it. You can't just like freestyle a board game because board games have rules, whereas RPGs rules are very flexible, and you can break them and change them and move them around in that context right. in that moment. Yeah, it's really interesting. It, 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 when you, even when you're talking about you know breaking and changing rules, I mean role-playing games like at least the way that I run them and the way that I've always played in them since I was you know in middle school mm-hmm. it's always like if we come up with something and we want to do something that's not really allowed by the rules we usually can figure out a way to do that we can change the rules or we can kind of right. you know omit a rule or something and there's no problem but in board games you don't really have that because oftentimes it's competitive and so you don't really have someone who's an arbiter uh, and then even in a, a result of like a one versus many game, you know, you don't have the person who's controlling the dungeon or whatever. Uh, they don't have the tool set to deal with people who are really going outside of the box. Like, yeah. so it's just kind of a more confined experience. But that I also, you know, that's why I like board games. I like having that puzzle. I like being, you know, saying, having a problem like, you know, get the most money by the end of this game here's like the three ways that you can do it trying to figure out how to make that system work. So, you know, you get different things out of it, but again, like to, to be able to, to bridge those, that gap, bridge those two things, 
uh, would be really cool, especially if it was done in a game where I could go in there and have fun playing a character with some depth who's making some what I think are complex decisions. And then my buddy who's like a min-maxer can, you know, play the game like any other Euro game and get enjoyment out of it. If you can do both of those at the same time, I think that would be just phenomenal. Yeah, I think that'd be an amazing game. I don't, maybe it'll eventually come out. It's just so difficult to, to tap or to scratch both of those itches at the same time. And so, yeah. man, yeah, we'll just have to it's interesting ponder because, on that. Because it's interesting because like, you know, it, it's more possible now than it's ever been yeah. because of the, of how wide the uh, tabletop sphere has gotten. You know, if you would have asked people, you know, 10 years ago, if Gloomhaven would be possible to exist, I right. think, I don't think people would say yes. And so the fact of the matter is with Kickstarter and crowdfunding, you know, you don't need 20,000, 30,000 people to like your game. Right. You can find, you know, 5,000 people who, for whatever reason, love the blend of complex characters and Euro mechanics. Like you can, you can make that happen. Yeah. It's not easy to find that group, but it's more, more likely now than it ever has been. Well, that's a great point. And if you do a little content marketing, maybe you can build those relationships. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, cool, man. Chris, really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for your thoughts and your ideas on all this. And good luck with everything you got going on. Good luck with getting the game, uh, getting Last Garden fulfilled now. The fun part Thank you. of the design Thank is, you, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, we're, we're excited about it. We're, we're excited about the Last Garden. We're, we're confident. Things are moving along fine. Uh, and, and Matt and I have uh, started the plans for a design weekend. So the mm. two of us are going to go uh, rent a spot and just – design other stuff for a weekend and it sounds really fun so we're looking forward to that too cool man well good luck with everything have a good one thanks i appreciate it